So from $30,000 borrowed to $130 million portfolio. This is like 2000, 2004, right? 2005. This is like well beyond a lot of other great resources out there. And then the local readers, though, have such a great value of like local community, local investors supporting each other. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, Azria family. Welcome to another episode of The Azria Show. I'm Marcus Maloney, your host, and we have our executive director, Mike Delpree, as our co-host. How you doing today, Mike? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Come on, Mike. Get the energy up. I'm working on it. Working. I, got, I got the, you know, the coffee. Oh, uh, you got the artificial uh, motivation there. So <laughs> I'm going to bring the energy until Mike gets his energy built up. So today we have Liz Faircloth with us today, and Liz is the co-founder of the DeRosa Group. If you've listened to this podcast for any time, you notice just a few weeks ago, we had her husband, Matt, on. So they are a power couple. They are a power team that's doing things in the commercial real estate space. So we wanted to drive home the point, two points, that you can work spouses together. And for you women that are listening to us, you can be empowered to be successful no matter what the tradesmen try and teach you, try and say to you, about being a woman and an investor. Because I know, and Mike know, that women sometimes make the better investors because sometimes they're more analytical and they're really ready to take the risk. So that's what we wanna drive home with Liz. So Liz, I know I did a brief introduction, but give us your background and welcome to the show. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus and Mike for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, a little bit about me. I, uh, my background is actually, I was going to graduate school getting my master's degree in social work. So I actually wanted to be a therapist. Uh, that was my goal. I wanted to open a shingle and put my name on it and help people in that way. And I still love helping people, but I mm-hmm. decided in right around the time I was actually getting my degree, my brother-in-law, who was the only entrepreneur I knew, handed me a little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he said, you really need to read this. So I, I it's okay. I'm not sure why I'm reading this. It has nothing to do with my schoolwork. Long story short, that really opened my eyes to, you know, to, to business, to entrepreneurship, to real estate, just like so many people, and really said, you know what, I don't know if I want to get a job in the social work field. I, so I decided to get a job in the sales field. And because one of the skills that, that Kiyosaki talks about in the book is to be, if you're going to be effective at anything, investing or entrepreneurship, you have to know how to sell. So I got a job actually, actually as a consultant right after my grad school, doing sort of like Oh, organizational development. I, I was an expert in a personality assessment. So I worked with teams and I had to sell people on this assessment tool and sell them on why they should work with us for training purposes. So that's kind of how I got my start from a professional field. At the same time, I met my husband and we started doing, we went to our local RIA for about a year uh, in our 20s and uh, didn't have much money, but we had this dream of buying our first property. And we did about a year into it, bought a duplex in a little town outside of Philadelphia. We went door to door. We, we would go to every course we could, every workshop, because that's the only time we got the chance to see each other because we weren't living together on the weekends. And they said, you know, go call for in ads. 
And so I did. So we called for an ads and said, hey, are you interested in buying your property? We're interested in buying your property. We see we have a vacancy. And that was the strategy that we used. And we found this duplex in a little town called Roxborough. Row home, very small little home, but made it happen. Didn't have the money. So I borrowed about 30K from my father, who really didn't have a ton of money either, or my parents. Okay. But they really trusted us and, you know, saw our vision. And that kind of got our start in investing and kind of professionally how I shifted gears. So, so, so your dates were real estate events. Yes, they were. That That's funny? awesome. <laughs> Most yeah. people, right, were going like in their 20s at the time, right? I was in my mid, mid early 20s and he was a little older than me, he still is. And um, everyone would be, you know, hanging out at the bars and this and that. And him and I would be writing business plans and looking at property and hanging out at the local RIA, DIG, Diversified uh, Investor Group. They're still, they're still active as well in the Philadelphia area. You want to hang out at a seminar tonight? So from from $30,000 borrowed to $130 million portfolio. So guys, did you hear that? I said from a $30,000 investment to a $130 million portfolio. Now this didn't happen overnight, Liz, right? No. It took you 27 years in order to do this. 27, don't age me now. That's what I said, right? 27? Overnight, (laughs) that's Okay. Yeah. So 17, yeah. 17 years. That's 17 makes years. Makes me feel a little younger, Marcus. You know? Gotcha. 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 <laughs> okay. So 17 years of investing and your groundwork was through that local Rio, correct? Yep. Correct. All right. So um, now Matt tells the story and I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell on Matt real quick because he we tells tell different stories too. We have different <laughs> memories of things. So I'm probably contradicting something he already said. <laughs> no, actually what he said was, you read the, the the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. And when you guys were dating, you gave it to him. Correct. And he was like, okay, any woman that gives me a book on investing is a keeper. So you <laughs> want him over by being an investor or starting out as an investor. Kudos to you for that, first yeah. of all. So tell us about that, that foundation and that groundwork that Rhea laid for you guys, because you're going into this completely green. You, you want to be a therapist and you pivot it. <laughs> And you needed yeah. to know where to get the education. So why that, that dig, that, that local RIA? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is like 2000, 2004, right? 2005. This is like well beyond a lot of other great resources out there. And, and the, the local RIAs, though, have such a great value of like local community, local investors supporting each other. And I, and I think that still holds true with what you guys are up to with your RIA and a lot of the great RIAs that are, that are out there. Same with DIG. So we got that. We got a chance to get to know the local investors. We, um, one of the people that we took through the property that we ended up buying was a gentleman we met through Dig, and he was a pretty seasoned contractor and just started to give us insight into that world, which is an enormous world, right? How much things cost, what type of maintenance, and 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 you know uh, and what what we would have to actually do to the property to get it up to speed. And so yeah, I, I you know I really found a lot of value in just educating ourselves, but educating ourselves through people that were local. You know, of course, the, the people would come in from different parts of the Carlton Sheets, you know, would come in, the old, old school teachers, right? Um, what was his name? Rob Sheeman. He's still, he's still out there teaching. He, you know, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the folks that were like the, the, the kind of the pioneers of, of a lot of the, a lot of the real estate education, if you will, you know, they all had different tips and ideas and, and, um, the landlording gentleman, his name is escaping me. He was terrific. And I, 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 we built our landlording because we self-managed for 
a hundred units before we started shifting our business model. And oh. um, what was his name? Wow. Uh, great book. I, 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 it's, it was such a foundational book for us. So we really built our business through the resources we got through Dig and the people that came and talked to us. Um, it was huge. It was everything Perfect. of how we got our start. Love Perfect. it. Hey, Marcus said something, you know, it's a segue a little bit. He said uh, pivot, right? So that's a popular word today, especially after COVID and everything. So my thought on pivot, so you pivoted from school and therapy to real estate. So there's, there's other types, there's two types of pivots, that type of pivot where you made a great decision, changed the tra trajectory of your life. Then yep. there's a pivot of like maybe a newer investor, since we're talking about RIAs of, hey, I want to wholesale today and you know, tomorrow I want to flip or oh, wait, well, that's wait, a whole wait, other, wait, I want to do yeah. subject to investing. Oh, wait, wait. So how does a newer investor or just investors in general kind of avoid that or make the right pivot? Yeah, that's a great point, right? There's a strategic time to pivot. And then there's like this shiny object syndrome where, you know, they're just jumping into something because it's the new thing that people are talking about or not really the new thing, but could be just another strategy, you know, and we were, we were, we were really were victim to that. Or if I should say, we really fell into that, me and my mm -hmm. husband, we weren't, weren't as focused. And so okay. we got involved in so many different niches for that very reason, Mike. And we were naive, we were young, that didn't help. And, and we had some lines of credit through our parents' homes to, mm -hmm. to kind of use. So, right, there's a, those are dangerous kind of recipe of, mm -hmm. of sometimes getting involved in too many things too quickly. I think the way that, you know, the folks that are listening, the, the way to kind of de decipher for yourself, is this a shiny object? Am I not focused? Or, or is this the right move for me? I think has a lot to do with stepping back and going, where do I want to be in five years? Like, what are my big goals? What's important to me? What will be important to me then? What is important to me now? Because then that starts to like, you kind of say shift, shift the gears in a sense of saying, okay, for us, we were self-managing for, for literally a hundred units. We had a team built and we had a property that we got under contract that was an hour and a half away. So at that point we had a choice. We could either find a local team to self-manage those, that, that property it was about 50 units, our largest project to date at that time, or we can shift and pivot and go to self-management. And so for us to make that right decision, we really had to say, where do we want to be in five years? And, and, and the five-year mark for us was, okay, we want to be building a business that we're proud of. We want to be using our core genius. And quite mm -hmm. honestly, property management for everyone listening is not easy. And, and unless you have a strong project management system in place, process, people, you could run it like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. My husband and I are not the most, I wouldn't call us operators. You know, we're more people oriented. So, you know, you have two people-oriented individuals running a property management company. We're going to give people exceptions. We're going to have a lot of that oh, happening. Oh. We're not going to be running a, quite honestly, a, a well-oiled machine that really you need to when you're doing property management. So we had to start to say, where do we want to be? We had to look ourselves in the mirror and it was a perfect opportunity to, to pivot and say, let's start working with third-party management companies. Hey, working with third-party management has its own challenges, right? And I can go, that's another episode, another day. But it really gave us a chance to pivot, but pivot powerfully it aligned with our deeper goals, our deeper vision. And quite honestly, what, what are we good at and what are we not good at? So I think pivoting makes sense in those, in those constraints. I think just getting distracted and also economic factors, right? Right now, multifamily is still very expensive. So for you to put your head in the sand and say, I'm only going to do this, you have to pivot. You may have to pivot yeah. to different strategies, different uh, ways of approaching, maybe new construction. Like you can't just put your head in the sand 
You can't change the economy. You can only participate in yeah. it. So that's another example. Love so it. So true. So true. Oops, so, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Recap. I love it. She said, um, "Is it, you know asking yourself, is this a shiny object? Um, is it right for me? Is it aligned with your goals and everything? And I like how you said, um, pivot powerfully. That's pretty cool. I like that. In a way that serves you, right? That's cool. Love it. All right, Marcus. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, kind of, kind of along that same theme. So how did you all, knowing that you're taking this risk, how did you all say, you know what, in spite of everything that we're seeing, in spite of what's going on, me and Matt, we're going to join forces and we're going to take this risk together versus, you know, if you said, hey, Matt, you're not on board. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Kind of what was that conversation? Did he get on yeah. board because you were the ambitious person or did you kind of you guys kind of work that thing out together? Yeah, we we did. Like, you know, again, our first date. Well, I didn't like him at first. That's a whole other good story. But I I, I didn't like him at first. Oh, no, they didn't and, tell um, us that. He didn't tell us that. <laughs> He, well, he's not very good at flag football and I'm, I'm sort of competitive and, and I met him and he had a few too many drinks. So those are my two okay. first impressions of him. <laughs> but anyway, when we did have our first date, um, we got very deep with each other and, you know, you need, when you meet people, I'm pretty, I'm very authentic. I've always been that way. It's how I was raised and same with him. And we would be talking about where do we want to be, you know, in five years, 10 years, we always had those conversations. We had it on our first date. So from a value perspective, we were always very aligned with where we wanted to be, who we were. We both really wanted to make a difference. That was something we've always both wanted. I mean, I was a social worker, right? That's literally my right. training. Um, you know, he was an engineer, but he still had that same kind of need. So I think alignment of values is critical uh, with spouses working together, any partners working together. And sometimes those values change, but I think that really created this framework of like, okay, there's alignment here. Now, where we wanted to go and how we wanted to do it, you know, him and I are different, right? And, and we've had to navigate that and what our roles are and all the things that you have to figure out over time. But yeah, I think okay. the, the value alignment was critical up, up, up front. And we would write our goals together. Like we wanted, you know, just these crazy goals that I, at the time make sense to you, but they don't make, I want to own like a hundred units in, in two months. Like, okay, we have nobody, <laughs> we have no connection. We're 25 years old before social media really got took off. Like, what were we thinking? But, yeah. you know, you have these goals. So I think him and I were very always kind of on the same page. It was never like I was trying to convince him. He wasn't trying to convince me. That was always very aligned. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Because, you know, we, we work, we have a large community and that's one of the things that we see as husband and wife, spouses, mm -hmm. you know, trying to work together and they, they trying to figure out, okay, the roles, who should do what, when should they do yep. it? And sometimes they bump heads and just wanted to get that perspective from you and Matt, as far yeah. as working together as spouses in real estate. And something else that we've found is that every, every time you work with your spouse, you have to really like feed into and, and, and nurture like four entities. So you have the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then you have the business, which is your investing, right? And then you have each person because there's two people, you know, unless Ooh. you're in a unique marriage, yeah. it's cool too, whatever goes for you. But <laughs> most people, there's two people. So, so there's, there's four entities. And so I, you know, in hindsight, right. Cause we've been married now will be this September will be 18 years. Um, you start to really get a sense of like, when you're not, when you're not cultivating all four of those or who's cultivating, who's, who's owning the business, are you both owning it? Right. It's hard to be 50, 50 with your spouse mm -hmm. in a business. 
I, you know, and, and, and when we were 50-50 and we're still technically 50-50, but he's more day-to-day, has been for quite some time, especially as our, our business started to scale, um, we needed different partners. We needed different skill sets beyond just my husband and I. So but that's the other part of it is that just to really get clear on like, what, what are the four entities that will happen? That's completely key what she's saying though, Mike, because I, I never looked at it that way. When you have spouses and you're working in a business together, you do have the four different individuals or entities that you have to deal with. You have to deal with Was it personality. Great? You have the two individuals, then you have the business, and then you have your family life. So doing things jointly together, plus doing things individually, and then the business. So that can definitely present challenges for spouses that's trying to work together. And that's one of the things that me and my wife is starting to work through. So you have your two individuals, plus you have your family, and you have your business. So yeah, those four entities, you, you definitely have to take into consideration. And somebody in the family may be more ambitious than the other. And sometimes you feel like you're dragging that person, but that just might not be their skill set where they're suited at. You know, you have to take take that into consideration as well. Yeah. And and I would say too, what 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 really has served us is saying like the marriage is central, right? The 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 that is always that has always come before everything else. Like we didn't get married. We didn't meet each other through Aria, right? And that would have been cool if we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we met each other and then created a business, right? And then became business partners. It wasn't the other way around. So when we've had tough things happen, which there has been a lot, you start to say, okay, what, what's really central here? And then the marriage needs, you know, feeding, you know, that, that, that kind of partnership. And then the business is, is there, but it's, it doesn't, it's, it shouldn't be all in the same bucket. It's different. It's a different relationship. You have to have those different roles and then really seeking to get support for each person. Like, what does each person need? You sometimes lose yourself. And, and there's a whole other, like a lot of stuff that can, you can kind of oh, distill man. from that. But it's like, like, check this out. So how do you like, you know, you get the, you have that argument at home or wherever it is, whatever happens in life, personal yep. life, then you got to go to the office together. You have your team. There's this background frustration potentially in the back of both of your heads. Right. And you got to like perform. You, you can't mm-hmm. like, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it was hard. I mean, when we were both working outside of our office, inside of, at our, at our office in Trenton, we would go there. We would be working from home though. So like I would also work from home. He would go to Trenton. So we did have that separation, which was kind of nice. But in terms of like team meetings and things like that, you know, we really are very clear on like, who is leading this? Like who owns it? Who's not owning it? Who owns what? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. not that we've always had it all figured out or there hasn't been any crossover or any frustration, but I think overall that's really important. Like yeah. I, I, he, if he was in charge, I didn't ever step over him and say, and just try to take over. So if we would have a fight, you know, I knew my role in that meeting and then I, you know, I, I did what I needed to do and same with him. So yeah. I think we rose above it, but for quite honestly, for so many years, it was him and I, right. Yeah. So when we were in the throes of growing our business, it was him, I, him, myself, and, and, and our, the contractors we hired or the, you know, uh, but then we started to build staff and, and, and we had built a probably management team and a construction team. We were doing everything in-house. He was the leader of that. So he was meeting with them more often um, and I was doing more on the property management side. And so I, well, we're always very clear in our roles though. I think that's, that's also the key. Important. Being clear yeah. in, in any relationship and yeah. so true, true. Um, 
you know, I did a little research and, and we're talking about management and teams and you said mm -hmm. something and I don't really hear that often. You, so this will go into like management and stuff. You said you make, you don't make your money on the buy, you make your money on the management. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you dive yeah. into that? Sure. I, I think it's so, so many people get so enamored with like the acquisition of a property, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously that's kind of like, in a lot of ways for some people, a very kind of fun part of it, right? Negotiation, getting the deal, getting the project. Like that's a very yeah. much an adrenaline rush for a lot of people. How am I going to finance it? Especially for like risk takers, they probably get very mm -hmm. excited by that. And so most people think, you know, yes, you have to buy right. So by all means, you have to buy at the right number. And, and especially in this market today, right? You cannot yep, yep. allow yourself just to get impatient and just not be smart because we, we've gone to best and final for so many deals and have not, you know, gotten some of these properties just because it's crazy, the numbers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to, to, to answer your question though, it's like you can buy right, but then really how are you going to make your money and optimize your return is the managing of it. So you could take a great property that you bought at the right price and run it into the ground because of poor management and really not running it like a business, um, running it efficiently, right? Uh, it's a project and, and your best property managers are project managers. They really are, they're, they're, they're running timeline, they're running, they're managing timeline and managing budget and managing people. Ultimately, take any real estate project, ultimately those are the three pieces that, that needs to be kind of managed and held accountable and, and very numbers oriented, quite honestly. So, you know, when, when we, when we bought, it was always about how can we add value? So that was always our focus. We didn't yep. really buy mm -hmm. the properties that only needed a little bit of work. Our, our, our tenure and really our, most of our experience has been, is really always taking the properties that needed a ton of work, the really big turnarounds, even from a large scale to small, small multis. So it was, you can never avoid having to really make your money on the managing side, really. Cause I, but ultimately people are buying turnkeys or maybe just properties that need a little bit of work. They don't realize that as much. They don't, you know, and I, and I think that's everything in this business. So if you're more of a, not a non, you know, uh, operational person and you don't like to manage deadlines and budgets, and I certainly don't, to be perfectly frank, you need to have someone mm -hmm. who can, and yep. you need to have that energy in your business because it will make or break you, hands down. So, um, and if it's not you, find someone who can. Absolutely. And budget. Yep. Yeah. True. And people. Yeah. And that's, that's essential is always building out that team and having that team in place. And your husband, Matt, he did a perfect job in identifying those team members. He said the, uh, what was it, Mike? Can you remember? Was it the hammer? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The, oh, what was it? Yeah. It was the hammer. Yep. It was the brain. It was the hammer brain. The market, the market. person that's looking for the market. I know these four as well. I'm like, they're yeah, going blank on them. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Hold Hammer, on. Brain. If you're listening, just go to Matt Fairclaw's episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear the hunter. Quote. The hunter was, yeah, that was the, the acquisition guy. Um, And I can't think of the last yeah, one, but that, I think I really did pretty good. 75%. Three out the of The money. The there. money. There you go. The money. Yeah. The main. One of the yeah. main things. The main thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So he, he did a great job explaining that. Um, and that's how you guys work to build, to build your business. Because a lot of people in the beginning, they have this false ideology of I have to try and do it all my, all my, by myself to do it all by myself. But the only way you can scale is by having these key roles and these key positions in place. So I just wanted to kind of recap and bring that up 
Yeah. Because, you know, we say, you know, 130 million portfolio, but it's a team effort in order to do that. I also say one other thing is that Matt and I became redundant in terms of our styles, meaning that we really got it. We really didn't scale until we said, we really need somebody who's like the hammer, who's at the property managing, you know, the manager or, or really critical to that kind of managing timeline, managing budget. And then you have like the brain who's really doing ops. Uh, they're the ones putting the business plan together. They're, they're underwriting ultimately, ensuring everything's according to budget. Those are the two energies that we're always missing in our, in our company. We built our company by, by you know, uh, having really like hard work ethic, being honest with people, finding deals, building relationships, bringing people together and getting the right deals, of course, and, and certainly. Mm -hmm. But if we had that one contractor that was not the right contractor, him and I were never like this amazing hammer who were, who were able to hammer that person or really hold that person. We had, you know, KPIs. We had a, we had a you know, project plan. But still, we were always doing it in a, in a good way, but not in an ex excellent or, or an exceptional way, I should say. So those are the energies that were kind of missing as we scaled. And those energies you can't miss when you scale. Maybe on a duplex or a templex, you can get away with it because it's less units, quite right. honestly. But when you're scaling and you're not that person and you're turning around maybe 30 units at a time, you, you just... The, it'll, the ship will sink and it'll sink mm -hmm. very quickly. So we became really clear on like the, redu not redundancy, but him and I very similar personalities in a lot of ways. I'm a little more detail oriented than him, but in general, we both like to be the relationship people. We, we always see relationships before everything else. That's just who we are. Perfect. So anyway, that, that becomes important. And our ability to say we're redundant here. What are the gaps? Who needs to step back was really very, very pivotal for us and was the reason we were able to build the right team and the right partnerships to scale into large multifamily, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Now I have a question that I definitely need answered. So this is All a right. selfish question. So everybody just get ready. This is a Marcus question. All right. So how did you know, Liz, when it was time for you and Matt to say, you know what, we need to scale up and do something bigger because everybody could stay at that, you know, 10 units. We just keep buying 10 units and increase our passive income. How did you know when it was time to start looking at a hundred units, you know, to where you guys own hundreds and hundreds of units? Yeah, we, we took like the steady, the steady, once we got focused on like multifamily, cause we were, like I said, for the first few years, we we're a little all over the place. 2010 was a really critical year for us. Cause we said, okay, where are we having success? And so I'm going to answer your question, but I just think this will be helpful okay. as a yeah, background. No. We said, where are we having success? We said small multifamilies is really where we're having success. And, and, and then how are those structured? We were doing some kind of small equity deals. And then we just had done our first syndication for 16 units. It was a 10 unit and then a four unit and a duplex. We were, our, was our first syndication. And so we started to have success with this model, right? And so we also were in New Jersey and, and, and Northeast Philadelphia. Those are our markets. And then, you know, 2000, by 2013, in that ballpark, the, the numbers just didn't work anymore. So our, our market started, we started to say, we have to look elsewhere than just okay. our, our kind of area right now. So then the next piece was we read 10X by Grant Cardone. I like Grant Cardone. I mean, I don't know if I follow all of his material and his stuff, mm -hmm. but we read that book. And I have to tell you, it was a great, light bulb that went off on us. We're like, we're just, we're staying small right now. And I think we were a little nervous because quite honestly, we did 
we did have a lot of challenges at the beginning because we were all over the place. So the last thing we wanted to do was get all over the place again. Right. But right. but I'll say I'll say and scaling in the niche that you're in is less risky than starting a whole new niche. You're just adding you're adding units. I mean, obviously, a, a, a duplex is different than a hundred unit. I, I would, of right. course, it is. Mm-hmm. But you're not changing, you know. And and we were adding markets, but you start to say, how do I mitigate the risk here? So we felt confident that we knew enough to do that, and then we actually got a coach. So we started working with Joe Fairless. You know, okay. is a good friend of ours still. Um, and and he just started a coaching program at that time. I don't know if he's doing it anymore. Um, he's a great okay. guy and yeah. has built a very successful, very successful syndication business. Anyway. He said, look at 100 deals. And, um, and we did. Uh, and one of the deals that we looked at was this 49 unit, which at the time our largest acquisition was an 18 unit. So again, 49, 18, it's not like this. It, it was a different market, but it was also like just adding some units to right, it. And right. it seemed like a very, we were mitigating the risk. And so that's really how we found that. And that's one of our, you know, was a really a linchpin for us was when we started hiring that third party management got out of state. It was in Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster. And then, then the next deal was in the Southeast. And then that really opened up our kind of scale. So I think the the key is like to really, to look at what kind of business you want to buy. I'm sorry, build. Some people are, have 20 units and they own them 100%. And, you know, that works for their their lifestyle. Yeah. And, and yeah. scaling is not for everyone. So we don't own 100% of all of our units, right? Hello, you know, unless we're just sitting on millions and billions. We raise it. We work with 400 investors. Not everyone wants to or needs to build that type of business. But I'll say it aligned with who we were, what we were trying to build, and the type of business that we were moving towards. So, So it worked for our structure. But I think so many people think about scaling, but they're scaling for the wrong reasons. They're not even scaling for any reason that makes sense sometimes. Just I mean, for I, numbers. I'll, yeah, it's like that numbers of doors. It doesn't yeah. matter how many doors you own. It really doesn't. True. It doesn't. You know, and just please don't ask me that if you meet me at a networking event, because I'll tell you, just go pound sand. But it just, it doesn't yeah. mean anything, you know? And so more question is, why do you want to scale? Where do you want to mm. be? And, and if that serves you, then go for it, you know? But if it doesn't, buy another duplex. Might be True. easier for True. you. I love it. I just, I like, you just keep going back to where are we having success? I like how like, when you were talking about pivoting, you just went back to that, right? Practice what you preach. I love it. That great question to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's, let's take a moment, hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, Liz, we want to talk about the female perspective in this real estate industry, how you started building your tribe of women investors and how you empowered them to really get out there and be successful. So let's hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk about the investor side of things. Attention all female investors, as Rhea is excited to announce our good friends are coming to town. Don't miss out on the Investor Con event in Scottsdale, Arizona on May 18th and 19th. Join us for two days of networking, workshops, and keynote speeches from successful female investors. Attend InvestorCon and make valuable connections and gain the confidence you need to take your investing to the next level. Don't wait. Click on the link in the show notes and get more details and the best pricing for InvestorCon in Scottsdale, Arizona on May 18th and 19th, or visit azria.org backslash calendar to secure your spot. We can't wait to see you there. 
All right, guys, we are back with Liz Faircloth. And we've talked about spouses working together. We've talked about scaling and going into commercial. Now we want to talk about the female perspective because always there's always this underlying systematic idea that real estate is a boys club. But Liz and her partner debunked that. So Liz, kind of tell us why you decided to start investor where did that passion come from yeah so i in just long story short i when i was in grad school like getting my degree in social work i um i had an experience where i did a lot of field placements for like all women groups so these women might have a mental illness they may have a substance abuse but i did a lot of work with women and and just sitting in circles and supporting them um and you know these women were through a lot you know it's different mm -hmm. parts of philadelphia is where i was and I, I took a business course while I was there. And the, the business idea I had was I wanted to create a women's center where women could come together and really support each other. And at that time, both more on the mental illness and the substance abuse, but the core was like supporting women and empowering them. I forget what I even called it. That was okay. 20 something years ago, right? So that business plan never happened. But mm -hmm. fast forward, I meet my now partner, Andressa. And, and even in my consulting days, I was, gra I always gravitated towards all like the corporate training for the women leaders. And it just always seemed to be something I was always very passionate about. And so when her and I came together, we were flipping properties, we were um, doing deals together and we'd go, we'd meet up at a, at an event or, or, or a RIA meeting or something. And, you know, there wasn't ever, there wasn't a whole lot of women speaking. If they were mm -hmm. speaking, they were on panels. Uh, if they were on panels, they were the only ones in the panel. And, um, we're like, there's more women in this business. Wouldn't it be great if we can get them together and really create this neat, you know, place for a safe space for women to give, to get, to not just, you know, not just talk about random things, but really talk about things that women in investing want to talk about. Yeah, their kids and this, but they also want to talk about how they're doing with their properties and their net worth and how much money they want to make and the things that just most people don't talk about. So, or you don't talk about with your neighbors. Right. So I, um, so her and I had this kind of shared passion and so let's let's start a podcast where we interview women, only women in this business. And, and you know, that was 2018. And so we were told we would run out of women by a good friend of mine. She, he's mm -hmm. just like, there's not a lot of investors that are women. I said, I don't mm. know about that. I don't know them all, but I don't know about that. You know, right. so proved him wrong. You know, 300 episodes later, there's plenty oh. of women investors. I think women run on, under the radar. I think they're doing their thing and they just don't. I think women are always learning how to use their voice and how to use it very powerfully and to do it unapologetically. I think that there is a place there for young women, women in whatever age they are. But I yep. think we're all part of this group and, and, and I'm leading this group to really create this space. Women outlive men, six to seven years. Women traditionally investing decisions, right? You could say are probably more male, male oriented. I think that's changed. Um, mm -hmm. Women have most of the buying decisions in, in, the, in the country, 70, True. 80%. And when statistically you look at women, when they do invest, what are their, like, you know, what, what, what does it look like? Women outperform men statistically when they invest. So, but women are not doing it as much or statistically as well. So, so what's interesting is that there's a lot of women investing. When they do it, they outperform men, not that it's about a competition, because mm -hmm. um, there's a cautiousness, I think, uh, but it's smart. And so, Women, I think, are just ready to take more of their investing decisions to themselves. You have women who are staying single longer. 
You have, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, right? For financially being more stable and independent. So anyway, that's a little bit of like what I've found to be the key and, and why a community like ours is, is powerful is that women really give and get, and they're able to create this neat kind of collective um, group that they can, you know, talk about their kids, talk about investing, talk about the contractor, all of the above. So just, just to kind of piggyback off of that, my mom kind of got me started back in the eighties. Wow. She was, she was flipping houses before flipping houses was even was a, a thing. thing. Right. So me and my brother, we came home from school one day and she was like, well, you know, I had the urge and I bought these two houses. One was a burnt out house and one was an old raggedy rental that she bought. And I was immediately, we thought, Hey, this is just work for us, you know, but she walked us through the steps and showed us how she repositioned those properties. One we still own as a rental. And the other one, she went in, did the work, her and her and my father and flipped it. And she showed us a $30,000 check at the end of the day. And wow. this was in like 1989. And that kind of sparked or planted the seed in me for real estate investing. Naturally, I didn't do anything until years later, but it's so That's very great. true. Sometimes women, they would just get out there and they will make those sound decisions, those wise decisions, and they can really see end of a thing before it even starts. So, I mean, kudos to women again. That's how I, how I got started. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's very, you know, the kind of community we're creating is like, we have meetups across the country. So we have, you know, 50 meetups where women can come together locally. And then we have a Facebook community where women are asking questions, giving advice. And our podcast is all about highlighting women's journey, not just in investing, but it's also about business, running your, running your, running your investing like a business. And also just, are you taking care of yourself? And living life on your own terms. I think that's an important one. That's why we get into this. But yet it gets missed when you start building and, you know, trying to get things done. And, you know, a lot of ambitious people kind of get gravitating entrepreneurial. So entrepreneurial. So I uh, I just love what we're, you know, what we're up to because it's really about the shifting in the safe space. We had a woman in our meetup. We start started a meetup in Lancaster. And just quick story. She, she stood up and introduced herself, just like you do at meetups. And, mm-hmm. and so I was there, I was speaking. So I said, you know, we all introduced ourselves and she was kind of one of the last people. And she stood up and she said, I'm so grateful to be here. She's like, I just recently went through a divorce and my husband always told me that I can never, you know, I can never, you know, be, be much and invest and certainly buy a property without him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, being here is giving me confidence that I can do that. So we didn't even start the meeting. Everyone's like crying just because mm-hmm. it was an emotional kind of intro. And it just, that's what it's about. You know, it's about confidence. And so no one could give anyone confidence, but right. a community, it, you know, a safe community where you're not getting berated, you're getting supported and you're giving, you're giving education. And you're also saying, we've done it and here's how we've done it. Maybe you could learn something from it is, is where people get confidence. And so I think that's the biggest thing that, a community can give. And that's why your local RIA is so powerful, right? It's, it's about confidence building. And so we all feel uncon- not confident when we're into new things. So we're trying to reduce that because once you feel confident, we know women will do great. That's not right. a question. Yeah. So tell us about the event that you all have coming up right here in Scottsdale. Yeah, super, super excited. So we're, we're, we're coming out to Scottsdale May 18th and 19th. <laughs> we have rented the entire resort at the Omni in Scottsdale. And we'll have- Wait, um, wait, 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 Stop, Liz. You guys did what? We rented the entire resort. So the resort is ours for two days. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, okay. our community. Nothing but women. So nothing but men, women. Men don't show up. Don't try and find a wife. Don't try and find a date. Let the women <laughs> do what women do. So <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. You know, I, I I like to say it's like a it's like a five hundred of your best friends because we really have it structured in a way that's more retreat like versus okay. just transactional, like a conference may feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be very transformational. We have twenty speakers coming. Sharon Lecter is one of our our keynote who's, you know, best-selling author. So the speakers are amazing, handpicked, real estate investing, you know, self-care and, and obviously running your business like a business. Generational wealth is the theme. So everyone's topic, every of the 20 speakers is kind of connected to generational wealth, money, okay. how do you pass along? Not just, not just wealth, but, you know, what you stand for and believe. We have 20 companies coming to, to offer their resources and support and, and products and uh, it's going to be a pretty powerful couple of days. We 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 wow. kick it off with a pre-event, very much networking, and and we do mindful breaks where women can connect with each other. They'll get breaks and time to connect, and then we end it with a, a big party. It's where okay. it's a red themed party, so everyone will be wearing red the last wow. night. So women are going to have fun. They're going to, you know, laugh. They're going to cry. They're going to figure out, you know, maybe where they are in their business, where they need to go. It's a very deep and transformational time. We've only had one event in it, it, last year, one investor con, and um, mm. the re reviews and the feedback were really amazing. So mm. we're just trying to take it to another level right. this, this year around. So. So, so out of women, who should attend? Should it just be the professional women that's already in real estate? Should it be the novice that's just starting? Who was who the conference catered to? Lately? Yeah, you know, we, we really are, our community as a whole uh, embraces all, all, all the above of what you just said. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's a journey, right. And, and, and we all start out new somewhere. Um, you know, we've gotten focused like our strive membership and some of the kind of focuses for our membership and our masterminding, those are more experienced women. So like they may have done five to 10 deals. They're looking to scale. So those women will be there. And then there are women who are professionals who are maybe, you know, looking to buy that first rental or that third rental, you know, that's, okay. that's also the women that will be there. I would say either or, whether you're newer or experienced, you're serious about investing okay. and, and, you're, and you're ready to do it and you know what the right tools and resources, you can do it. And, and that's where the community is there to kind of have your back. I think that's the common thread, whether it's a newbie or somebody who's done a ton of deals like me. I don't, I don't know how to, I mean, I haven't bought a vacation rental, you know, so it's really helpful okay. for me to talk to people. Who've done that, right? So it's, gotcha. you could yep. be in this business for 17 years and still be new at something. True. So yeah, Very so true. that's where we, that's really what, the, what it's about in terms of like a community feel. Okay, so that's May 18th and, and 19th. 19th. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know, I know Mike, Mike and, and Urea has a, an, affili an affiliate, like a link and we're, yep. we're offering $50 off of a ticket. So yeah, it's, yep. uh, I think the code, what I tell you, it's As just- three of 50. So yep. Yes. Yeah, so go to Ezria.org forward slash calendar, go to May 18th and 19th. You'll see the investor con registration and just click on the link and follow the steps and show up. It's half the battle. He's got to show up. And I remember the first conference I went to, I think my first conference was like uh, bigger pockets. The first one they did in Denver, like 10 years. Oh, oh right, right, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, with Josh and everything. And uh, yeah, it's like, you're in this room. With every all the like-minded people, all with the same ambition, you know, same goals, and I don't know, it was like yeah, it was like a tribe, and it felt really good. So uh, yes, I'm yeah. sure it's the same exact thing at your and so yeah, yeah, and and it's it's neat because you create connections that go well beyond. It's not just the education, right, or the community, but it's about the mm -hmm. 
the network. You can't yeah. put a price tag on that. Like who knows somebody in this state or that state? I mean, it's hard okay. to do that by yourself. So, Let's so before, before we wrap up here, Liz, tell us how we can reach out to you. You know, I know you guys have the podcast. Give us the podcast. Give us, you know, social media handles for those who want to follow you along this journey and really get inspired by what you're doing, what Andres is doing, what Matt is doing, because you guys are really doing a lot. Yeah. So, you know, our, our website, uh, DeRosa is DeRosa Group, G-R-O-U-P.com from like just a, you know, syndication perspective. The, our real estate investor community, if you go to the, the real estate investor dot com is like where all of our stuff is at. We have free events twice a month. Our Facebook community, I would recommend, is probably the best place to go because it's not like a page, but a group and a community. We have over 14,000 women asking questions, giving advice, just a, we really, and we really protect that group. So it's mm -hmm. just a, a group that really is very supportive and, and helpful to women, new experience, and you can ask anything. And, and that's just Facebook. It's just a group slash the real estate investor. So the, the Facebook group's kind of like a really helpful place to go, get connected to women. And then we start to share like events that are coming up, things that are happening. So you're kind of in one place to hear everything. And we're on Instagram at The Real Estate Investor as well. We post a lot there. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So in signing off, Liz, give us some words of encouragement, something powerful, impactful for that investor, be it male or female, that's sitting on a sideline that really need that swift kick in the pants to, to get started? I think it's about, there's two things I'd say, you know, not giving up, I think is probably been, I sit so cliche, but I feel like there were so many moments, like tough things that happened and continue to happen. You know, if you're in business, tough things still happen. It's not like my life's perfect, you know, or anyone's life is perfect. Just don't give up. And, and I think the, the biggest thing too, is to create space in your life Life is very busy and we busy ourselves a lot. And there's so much to busy ourselves on, especially now with everything. You have to create some quiet time for yourself to just reflect and just even step back and go, where do I need to get some clarity? You know, what's working? What's not working? Uh, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? We do that when we turn, you know, I just turned, I just got a, I just had a birthday a couple of days ago. So we do that on birthdays, but we don't do that ongoingly. So I, I think we really need to stop two things. As I reflect a lot, and when I don't reflect, I feel like I just keep going. So reflect and really get clear on that. Nothing great happens without failure and just, just be persistent and don't give up. Okay. That's what I would say. Love it. Love it. There you go. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you, Mike. As we're a family, we really want to appreciate Liz, the fair cloths and real estate invest her for all that they're doing in the real estate space, because it's not just one entity. It's not just two entity, but it takes a community in order for us to be successful and change the power dynamics in this world. So it starts with one choice, one decision at a time. And that decision is to get out there, take massive action, buy that first rental, that first vacation property and start your real estate investing journey. So Liz, thank you so much. And with that being said, all of the show notes will be below. If you want to reach out to Liz, want to get some more information about InvestHer, and that is it. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week, every Monday at 8 a.m. A new show is released. Thank you, Marcus. Thank Perfect. you, Mike. Thanks for listening to The Ezria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, 
Head over to Azria.org and learn more about our community.